Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Today, I've got my friend Mike Creppy Jr. joining me. Mike was a 10-year overseas pro. He really knows the ins and outs of international basketball. He runs a company called Vindicated Sports. He actually wrote a book on how to be successful playing basketball overseas. So he's a real expert in the overseas game and just sort of making the transition from different levels of basketball. When you're an overseas pro, you're, you're kind of moving up and down in competition, depending on year to year and the leagues you're in and, and all those sorts of things. And I thought Mike's experience would be really interesting and, and provide a different lens for some of our conversation we want to get into today. We want to talk about some of the Wizards' young core, Johnny Davis, Corey Kispert. Mike and I got to see a little bit of Summer League in person together this year, too. And you know, I want to get his take on just those guys and their development, and how much we should read into these kinds of things and making transitions from playing different positions. So we'll, we'll get into all that, but also just talk a little bit about international competition. Obviously, Kristaps Porzingis is playing for Latvia in the FIBA competition right now. And Denny Avdi is playing for Israel. And one of those players is doing better than the other at the moment. So we'll get into kind of that comparison between the two and, and get Mike's insight there. But first, uh, just a reminder that we're having a merch giveaway. We've got our first winner, Jishnu. He's been on the show here before and, you know, a frequent supporter. So we really appreciate that. We'll be getting a t-shirt out his way. If you want to enter into that and you still haven't done that, you can always write a review on Apple iTunes, take a screenshot of it and tag us on social media and we'll enter your name in the drawing again free gear so you know at the very least it's something you can cut the grass in <laughs> and uh yeah, let us know if you're interested in doing that we'll keep uh, giving these out every couple weeks here uh but also just want to shout out the mystics we haven't talked about this yet on the podcast but they had a really good season i think they were better than i expected they were the five seed they lost a close series to the seattle storm and realistically they could have won that first game just a couple possessions here so i think they're going to be you know back better and better than ever next year also, shout out to Wizards District Gaming. They lost in the finals of the three-on-three version of the NBA 2K League's competition this year and also in the finals of the five-on-five, but they won it the last two years. And so if you make three finals and you win two of them in a three-year stretch, I think that's a lot to be proud of. So shout out to those guys. I know not everyone who listens to this is a fan of the online gaming version of basketball, but it's still cool that people can be involved in the game in different ways, I think. And just credit to them. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been nice to us. Their coach, Pat Crossan has been on the show a couple of times. So hopefully they can come back and, and get their, uh, winning streak back on track next year. Just a kind of random note. Uh, if you have Netflix, they have that untold documentary series, they have the rise and fall of and one basketball. Just thought that was cool. So if you're looking for some summer basketball to watch, uh, content wise, I think it's, uh, worth an hour ish of your time. Uh, before we get to our conversation with Mike here today, we're going to do our prospect profile. 
This week we've got Anthony Black. He is a six foot seven, sort of almost power forward size at the college level, but he is a you know big wing creator. He's, he's basically going to be their their point guard or play a lot on ball this year. And if you've seen anything about kind of recent draft classes or recent lotteries, you know those big wing creators are in high demand. You've got Scotty Barnes, you've got Josh Giddy, you've got Dyson Daniels. Those are the people that are kind of climbing in these drafts. And those guys aren't really effective shooters or scorers necessarily yet. But Black is kind of in that mold. He's a big lead guard. He's a six foot seven, like I said, ball handler. He's a great decision maker. He's really good in pick and roll. He makes these high level reads out of screens. You can find teammates at kind of like weird angles you wouldn't expect. I guess maybe that's part of being able to see over the defense, but he also just makes these like really good pocket passes to guys that are like perfectly hitting them in stride right where, you know, a big guy doesn't have to reach down to get it. I, I think he's going to be great as a creator for them. And they've got a lot of offensive weapons that should make him look good and be fun to watch. He's also a guy that can kind of grab and go. NBA teams love that. So that'll be really interesting to see them at the college level too. But just the feel for the game is like crazy high. And I think that'll translate on defense. He's not a super athlete, but if you're long and tall for your position and smart, I think that goes a long way. And again, by virtue of being six foot seven on a college basketball court, I think he's really switchable. And I think that'll translate to the NBA level too. I mean, those guys we mentioned, um, you know, Barnes, Giddy, and Daniels, I wouldn't say any of them are like top 1% NBA athletes. So it's not like, like Black is some totally unathletic bum. So again, Anthony Black, it's a name to watch. I mentioned his teammate, Nick Smith earlier. I've been watching a lot of their kind of uh, European tour four games, I want to say, and I've watched three of them so far and just really interested in their team. So, uh, you know, we'll do more of them as, as we go throughout the season here. But again, not a big time athlete, not a big time scorer right now. I wouldn't say the shot is necessarily broken, but it's more of like he's reluctant to shoot. And I don't know if that's just, being super unselfish or not having confidence in it. But I do think it's something he can fix and work on. I missed on Scotty Barnes in the pre-draft process because I just thought, you know, these other guys, I see a path to them scoring 15 points per game pretty quick into their NBA career. And to be honest, I did not see how Barnes was going to be able to do that you know, in the first couple of seasons in the league. And, you know, naturally he basically does that right out of the gate. So I'm not going to miss on that a second time here. Uh, I, I think, you know, him being like black, being a better shooter is obviously better for him, but he'll get an opportunity to show that this year. And can he just be like competent off ball? If he has to be his teammate, Nick Smith will have the ball a decent amount too. So he'll get opportunities to do that, but just a name to keep an eye on. Again, it's really early. We're just going to keep throwing out names for you to watch. So if you're scrolling through ESPN and one of these guys is on TV, you could say, yeah, I'll watch a couple minutes here. So come draft time, I can at least say I've seen them. That's all we're looking to do here. Uh, just with that, you know, let's get to our conversation with Mike. We'll get into the players that the Wizards do have and have drafted. And, uh, you know, we'll focus a little bit more on here now. Before we get to our conversation with Mike, let's hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get into that convo about some of the Wizards' young players and their summer basketball experiences. 
Okay. I'm pleased to be joined by my buddy and podcast co-host, Mike Creppy. We do ball movement together, which will be back for its second season here pretty shortly. So stay tuned for more details on that. Mike, how's it going? I'm doing well, Matt. Glad to be back on here with you. Looking forward to to our next venture with ball movement and what's to come with that. But let's talk some basketball. Yeah, I figured it'd be good, good way for us to get back in the saddle here a little bit. We could talk a little bit of Wizards and stuff here too. Mike, I gave folks your kind of your credentials here, but uh, mm-hmm. for anybody not familiar, can you kind of give a little bit of the resume here for folks? Yeah, I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, obviously a suburb of D.C., um, lifelong Wizard season ticket holder with my dad since USA Arena, since the Bullets. So I've seen them come and go. I've seen the Rasheed Wallaces, the Ben Wallaces, the Ross Chicklins, the Calvert Chaney's, the George Marisons, Mitchell Butler's. I, the list can go on and on. Uh-huh. Like I, I was I was a ball boy for the for the Bullets and then the Wizards. I grew up there, went to Good Council High School and Blake High School in Silver Spring. Went to UC Riverside out west in the Big West Conference, and I've been playing professionally overseas in the UK and Denmark and Portugal and China and the Czech Republic and Germany and Greece. And and now I founded my uh, first and only company, Vindicator Sports, where we advise and educate players on the business of international basketball. I've written the first book on it, and I've been featured in ESPN, the LA Times. But um, recently, I was just featured in Beyond the Sport on Spectrum Sportsnet. Um, that's going to be airing tonight. Premieres on Spectrum Sportsnet tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 9, 8 p.m. Um, Pacific Standard Time. And um, yeah, I'm just an avid basketball fan that you know was blessed to be able to play. You're not giving yourself enough credit there. Mike is a real hooper, and I thought given today's <laughs> podcast conversation, it, it would be perfect because we want to talk a little bit about the Wizards' young core and part of this for them is transitioning from, you know, one league of a certain talent level to another. And, I, you know, yeah. for you overseas, you, you've had to do a lot of back and forth styles of play change on you almost every year. And I thought you could add a lot of different perspective to this than, than I could by myself, for sure. Oh, for sure. I've, I've lived I've lived a lot of these things myself. And obviously I'm observing and have, a, you know, an eye for, the, for what I'm looking at and have a different perspective being that I played. So I'm looking forward to getting into these topics. Actually, I got one side one for you here first that I actually kind okay. of forgot about too. Uh, the Wizards G League team, the Capital City Go-Go, will host open local tryouts on September 10th. Uh, it'll be two sessions of 75 players each, and they'll be comp- competing for just at most four training camp spots for the Go-Go. Uh, Mike, as somebody you know has played against G League caliber, NBA caliber players um, plenty of times before, just set the record straight for people. How much better these guys are than anybody somebody's going to you know, run against in their local lifetime fitness? So I was watching uh, ESPN 30 for 30 on the M1 mixtape, and mm-hmm. they did a 30 for 30 on them. And there was a segment on there where the guys from N1 were saying that the only difference between them and guys in the NBA is that they got an opportunity. And obviously they interviewed um, Iman Shumford, um, Lou Williams, Baron Davis, and those guys just laughed at the notion of like they don't understand just how good you have to be to play professional basketball in general than the NBA. One is the length, right? That's Mm -hmm. always my biggest thing. A lot of people don't don't consider that. They look at the jumping, the size and all of that. You can find size and athleticism anywhere in the world, college, division one, two, three. But the length and then the basketball IQ you know, combined with athleticism, with the skill level, you know, it's, it's unreal, you know, until you get out on the court with an NBA player, like you just don't realize just how tough it is. So guys that are coming off with this G League tryout, one, 
they need to make sure that they're in shape because the pace of professional basketball mm-hmm. is something that you're not prepared for unless you've been around it or somebody has told you about it and they've trained you in that type of simulation. So you got you to be ready to play at that pace. And then you have to be able to think, right? You have to be able to play under plays and strategy and things mm-hmm. like that. There are a lot of guys who can dribble the ball 30 times, shoot a step back 30 footer. Yeah, can you pick up the concepts quickly and stuff? You no, know, exactly. Like basic fundamentals. Can you be coachable? Can you want to play out of a timeout? And you'd be surprised, you know, you know, you, you see guys all the time when you come back home in the summertime, oh, I should be playing here. I should be playing there. But then you you put them on a team and you have to run a play. And these guys cannot run a basic offense. Right. You know, they're incapable of doing it for whatever reason. So, um, no, so for the guys that are going out there, whoever's listening to this, just make sure that, you know, you're all of those things, right? You're athletically and skilled, but also coachable and have a high IQ so you can be make yourself more marketable. I said that most of the workout will be like structured drills that the coaching staff's going to put them through. And for anybody that hasn't been through like a regimented workout like that and kind of a set, you know, set of structured drills with that many people, uh, just, just how hard is something like that? Well, you, you have to find creative ways to make yourself stand out. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of it can be a little gimmicky. Like you hear guys overseas all the time. Sometimes the statisticians don't, can't just dis, can't distinguish between you and your teammates. So some guys are wearing like a yellow headband just so they their stats don't because it's it's very prominent overseas that your stats will be given and attributed to another player. You see it all the time on the stat sheet. Like I remember games where I thought I played terribly and they gave some of my, my missed shots and my mistakes to a teammate. I feel yeah. bad for them, but it's yeah. nothing I can do. Yeah. But so in situations where it's just so many people, you want to make yourself stand out. So in terms of your wardrobe you know sleeves headbands you don't want to be mr accessory you don't want to be that guy because you look like a clown but just something to make yourself stand out but then on the court for me i'm a guard so whenever i wanted to make myself stand out i would pick up full court all right pick up the ball full court because that's a one-on-one with me Mm -hmm. and the ball handler and there's nobody else there it's just me and him so that's a way for me to stand out and so you know you find creative ways to be selfishly unselfish you know um like if i if i'm on the block and I want the wing spot, I'll set a back screen. Nobody's going to refuse a back screen. They always go. So now I have the spot I want to be, and now I can operate. So I'm being selfish, but it doesn't come off as me being selfish. I like that. That's a veteran move. Yeah. No, I've been doing this since high school. Like, I've been I've been 35 since I was 15. I always say that. So, like, I was obsessed with basketball, like I said. from from Whenever I could remember, my dad just always had us at Wizards game, Bullets games. And we were season ticket holders, and I've just been obsessed with it. So every waking moment, I'm thinking about different ways to make myself a better player. And that's something I came up with in high school because I was I was pretty tall for my public school team at Blake High School. But I knew I wasn't going to play in a post in college. I've always mm-hmm. had that foresight. So I'm like, man, I can't play in a post. Let me set this back screen for this yeah. guy so he could take my spot, and then I'll take his spot. All right. If anybody's listening to this and actually toying with the idea of trying out, so take those uh... – nuggets of advice there with you because I, I think that that's actually really good stuff you could be yellow headband guy and they'll actually remember that but for anybody yeah. that's you know listened to this podcast and said that guy's a bum about any of these players oh yeah this is your opportunity to go out there and show it uh if, if you could do better you know this is this is your chance to do it and kind of so, like we'll, we'll come back to as we segue into the guys that are playing um in the international competition but Anybody that thinks the NBA players are bum, just invite them to your local pickup game. That's right. And I guarantee you'll have a different narrative after that. I absolutely <laughs> agree. And I, one of the people we're going to talk about here first, uh, the Wizards' first-round draft pick this year, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. 
that was a guy that people watched play summer league and said, this mm-hmm. is a bum. So, uh, you know, th- Johnny Davis would make most of those guys look bad. So, so keep that in mind. But uh, I, I do that to segue into Johnny Davis did look uh, pretty unimpressive at, at summer mm-hmm. league, but you know, Mike, he's coming from Wisconsin. It's this like really structured system and he's played a certain way for the last two years. And now all of a sudden he's thrown in this like totally new environment. that's a little bit more of a free for all. You know, I, you got to see the summer league guys up, up close and personal this year too, and what they're actually yeah. running out there and stuff. Uh, should we be this worried about it? Is an overreaction to, to worry about five summer league games or four summer league games for him? So, you know, based on the information I know about him, he was a two in college, right? Mm-hmm. And similar to myself, I was a two in college. And I don't want to make this about myself, but I have an experience with this. An agent told me when I was getting ready to transition to the pro level that I can be an undersized two or I can be a big point guard. Mm-hmm. And so that really sparked something in me. And it's actually given me the longevity that I needed because who knows how successful I would have been at the two if I wasn't able to slide over to the point guard full time. And so for somebody like him, like being a point guard, right, it allows you to be in control of everything. And that's one thing that I kind of began began to love as a point guard is that I can run the show. It's on my, it's in my decision. I have full discretion on how fast we go, how slow we go, who goes where, who gets the ball where, when. Um, I can call my own number at times. I can distribute at times and just finding that balance. Mm-hmm. And so for, for a young guy like that, what I did, I actually took a year off from college to transition to the point. So I took a year off and I just studied, studied, studied and transitioned myself into a point guard. I studied Chauncey Billups. I stu- studied Andre Miller, um, Kyrie Irving, obviously not Kyrie at the time, but um, guys like Kyrie, Chris Paul. Um, these are guys that I watched, you know, coming out of school that they had the ability to score, but they could also distribute and set the table. They were bigger point guards. They could all shoot. And that was somebody that, that was me. I was always a shooter. And I said, all right, can I combine these things from a point guard, from a scoring perspective into a point guard? So one thing that you realize when you transition from a two to a one is that that energy that you have as a score attracts defenders to you. Now it's about slowing the game down and making the right read. So I know if I drive left, and the strong side defender comes, then my next pass is to the corner, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm, but as in the pick and roll, you're the first option as the ball handler. So that was one thing LeBron Prophet, former wizard, he taught nice. me that, right? Mm-hmm. He was coaching, he was coaching my Kennel League team at Georgetown University. And I was stopping every time the hedge man would come out on the pick and roll. He said, make everybody calls me crap. He was like, crap, turn Let's the corner, going. turn the corner, turn the corner, because they're stopping you, but you're a guard, you're quicker than them. And so as you turn the corner, now the defense has to react. Now it's about making the right reads. If they stay back, you finish. If they come, you pass. And so to answer your question, should we read into this? No, because he's still adjusting to the pro game. And a lot of players, and we see this predominantly with, you know, they're, they're the most pronounced Duke players, right? For a long time before they started attracting the one and dones. Duke used to have great college players, amazing college players. Yeah. William Avery, Trajan Langdon, the list goes on and on. You guys had amazing college careers and they get to the pros. They're just average role players at best. Mm-hmm. And so some players play better in college because of the structure. The NBA, the pro level is more about your creativity, your individual skill set. Can yeah. you go out there Freelance and get a, a bucket? Right. Exactly. Or can you? do you have a specialty? Do you have a special skill? i.e. Duncan Robinson, Kyle Korver, J.J. Reddick to an extent. I don't like classifying him as just a shooter because he was a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you guys get what I'm saying. 
um, if you have a, a skill set that's just distinct, that you know that you can hang your hat on, Ben Wallace, rebound independent, you know, so, something like that, you know, it makes it easier for you to find a spot. But if you're one of these guys that are used to having the ball in your hand and creating, but you need a system to assist you with that, that's not the NBA. You know, everybody that's that guy in the NBA, they don't need a play. You know, they have structure for the rest of the guys. Those guys are going to be those guys, whatever team you plug them on. And so I think it's on the staff, on the Wizards player development staff, and it's on the coaching staff to kind of really do a deep dive into his skill set and find where that fits not only in the NBA, but their offense as well, based on the players that are on the roster. Because obviously, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't get all bent out of shape because of some of the there are guys on your team that, one, have different agendas, yeah. right? You're secure. Your spot is secure. You have guys on your team. Yeah, they don't want to set you up to be successful. Right? I'm not passing the ball. I'm <laughs> going for mine. This might be my only opportunity in front of these executives on this stage because I'm already prepared to go overseas. So what do I have to lose? You and know? they also had like older guys too, where this might be their last chance, like 36, 37 year old, or sorry, 26, 27 year old guys. I'm, I'm aging them a little too much. but <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, it's like you got to understand that too. So when you're on a team with guys who know their role, who have bought into the system, you know, who are comfortable where they are, their contracts aren't going to change. You know, you see stuff like that happening in contract years for guys where, you know, they're calling their own numbers. They're being a little more assertive and aggressive because they're trying to prove to the market what they are. Mm-hmm. But guys that are on multi-year deals, they're just trying to win. You know, they're trying to put themselves in the best position. And so I think it's, it's a wait and see for him because I definitely wouldn't read into summer league. But if he, but you have to know what type of player he is, yeah. right? He That's might be you. a system guy. That's me, right? Mm-hmm. You see me down at the Goodman League in Berry Farms. I look like an average person. I'm not, I've never grown up playing one-on-one. I grew up in camps and structured training my whole life. You put me in a, on a team with plays and stagger screens and, and flex offense, I look amazing. Yeah. You know, so I think it's just one of those situations that um, we're just waiting to see what type of play he'll be in the NBA game and what the development, the, the player development team does with the Wizards. You just hit on something that I harped on a lot on draft night. Their general manager, Tommy Shepard, said that he saw him being, uh, you know, a combo guard at least, but definitely playing some point long term. And they asked Wes Unsell Jr. if he thought he could do that. And he was like, uh, I don't know about that. So I think it's just putting guys in, you know, situations where they can be successful. And Corey Kispert had the same thing last year where he looked bad you know, in the same setting in, in summer league. And it yeah. took him like 30 games to figure it out, but he was really good. You know, the second two third, the last two thirds of the year where he could actually like fit in. He you know, got comfortable with the guys. He understood his role a little bit more and he's from another, you know, structured team. So I, I would mm-hmm. imagine that, um, you know, Davis will be a similar arc where, you know, he'll, he'll look better come February than he looked, yeah. you know, in July. And I, and I don't want, I don't want to absolve him from any responsibility of himself. At the end of the day, he has to want to do it, right? He has to go put the work in, put the time, and it can't just be on the coach's time or the team's time that he develops. You know, like like I said for myself, I took a year off, like, and I just started studying. At that time, portable DVD players were a thing. So I would take my portable DVD player in the gym. I would watch film, and I would go mimic drills. I would do drills that mimic situations in the games that I saw Chauncey. Chauncey was really big for me. Like, I really watched a lot of Chauncey Billups. and him and Chris Paul, those are my two favorite point guards mm-hmm. at, during that time. And so I just studied them religiously. And it was on, it was on me. Like I wasn't waiting for somebody else to tell me. I got some advice from a sound, I got sound advice from a person I respected in the business. And it made sense to me. So I said, all right, let me let me put in the work. And he has to put in the work. And I'm pretty sure he'll do it because you know, you get to that level, 
it means so much to you. You're going to do whatever it takes to be successful there. So, you know, I think I think he has a bright future for sure. Yeah, I, I was a little worried at first. It was kind of sticker mm-hmm. shock because you just saw this high volume score. But when you look at yeah. his kind of career progression too, like he wasn't particularly impactful as a freshman at Wisconsin either. Like it took him a yeah. while to settle in and get comfortable. And Corey Kispert was the same way. Like he added mm-hmm. something new to his game and his role every year until his fourth year, he was a higher volume, higher usage guy. So I, I think that's great perspective. Maybe we can all take a bigger deep breath and, uh, you know, yeah, just relax. He'll, he'll be okay. Yeah. He'll be okay. I think so too. Um, the other thing that was interesting about their summer league team is the two centers they had Vernon Carey Jr. at a Duke and Jaime mm-hmm. Eshenike, who was on the G league team last year are both like big kind of plodding old school back to the basket mm-hmm. centers. And, I don't mean that disrespectfully because I actually love like post play and footwork and things like that. So they're fun for me to watch, but is there a place for guys like that in today's NBA? Like, do you see that where these guys can really catch on and and be impactful or or play any meaningful minutes for them with that style? I mean, I guess it's based on the team's philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a coach that's old school that believes in that and you, you kind of put players around, to cover up because you can't play pick and roll with those type of guys. Right. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. I, everybody looks at the offensive side, but it's mainly on defense, mm-hmm. right? Cause they, they'll have a mismatch on offense. You can put them in the post. They can command a double team, kick out, create disadvantages. But on defense is where, you know, these guards are so dynamic that any, like, I don't understand where this came into play. This defensive contain where the big man doesn't hedge anymore he stays back and gives the guard all of this space to operate and that's why you see these extraordinary numbers from point guards is because it's like it's like shooting over it's like cone work yeah free for all for them it's free for all like they can just pick them apart one time they pull them next time they hesitation go to the basket next time they throw cross you know and the big has he can't do anything about he's just staying back and he's like just waiting to be slaughtered Mm -hmm. and and so that's the biggest thing. They'll have to come up with schemes to kind of cover that up. Cause you see that with Shaq when Shaq played specifically when he played Houston and when he played Sacramento with Steve Francis and Mike Bibby, they used to destroy him in the mm-hmm. pick, not destroy the Lakers in the pick roll, all because he wouldn't step up. They would stay right in that mid range and Mike Bibby made a killing off that. Right. They just, they were just too much to overcome offensively, but defensively they were getting whatever they wanted to. And that's, what's going to happen with guys like that. So, um, we'll see, you know, I don't know if they're going to implement some zone when those guys are in. Cause I know that's a little more prevalent now than, mm-hmm. that, than it has ever been, but it just comes down to the concepts and the philosophies of the team. And, and if they really value them on the court, then they'll find a way to hide them and, and cover up their deficiencies. I, I think that's another great point there too. And, and the reason I brought it up is I've seen a good amount of people posting about those two guys Like, well, you know, they scored pretty efficiently at summer league. Like, why don't we give them more minutes on the wizards? And you have to be so efficient offensively if you're only mm. scoring around the basket, you know, and, and you're giving up a lot on the other end too. So I'm not saying yeah. I would rule them out, but it's, it's an upper, it's a more uphill climb, you know, I think that it would have been 15 years ago for a player like that. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's transition here into kind of international competition. Uh, Latvia blew out Turkey a hundred or one eleven to eighty five. Uh, Porzingis first half. Porzingis, the Wizards center, had twenty two points, fourteen rebounds. In their next game, Porzingis had twenty nine points, fourteen rebounds against Great Britain. I mean, Mike, presumably you've competed against some of these guys on some of these national teams and stuff like that. Like, 
how excited should we be to see him putting up big numbers in a competition like that? Or, or is it another one of those things where like, we shouldn't read too much into it? No, I think it gives perspective, right? It's similar to what we were talking about before about these guys that people might call bums because they're only averaging a certain amount of points in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at, I love international play because you really get to see these players comfortable and featured roles and you can see what they're capable of doing. Right. You got to think about it. Everybody in the NBA is the guy at, so, at some level. They were mm-hmm. the guy. So they all have the capability of doing. It. I tell people that all the time, like you don't get to the NBA without dominating on some level. Yeah. I don't care whether it was high school, college, G League, you know, whatever it is, like overseas, you were dominant on some level, which got you to the NBA. People look at Patrick Beverly. They look at P.J. Tucker. And these guys are role players. These guys were 20 point per game scores on EuroLeague teams. Right. You know, like, like, what are mm-hmm. we talking about? And so it's the same thing with, like, um, Porzingis. You look at Luca. I made a comment the other day on a page that he, if he went back to the EuroLeague now, as he is now, he would be like Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Like, literally, same number, same cachet, same dominance. Mm-hmm. He would be like Kobe. And so it gives you perspective just how good these players really are when you see them amongst their peers, right? Mm-hmm. They're not playing. I don't think they're playing against their technical peers, right? These are guys that they grew up with. These are guys that they trained with their whole lives and things like that. And you just see how much they are from playing in the NBA, how much better they are. I don't know if it's a, it's, I don't think it's a skill thing. It's more of a confidence thing. Comfort level. With, comfort yeah. level, physique yeah. thing. And it's more of a bravado. Like I'm in the NBA. That There's something to say about that, right? Mm-hmm. When you have that confidence, you know, you play at a different level because all those guys can play. You know, you wouldn't be on a national team if you couldn't play. But, um, I just think for Porzingis, I think it'll be. I think it's good for those guys because they can carry that back. You see Evan Fournier, right? For the last couple of years, when he played on the French national team, he's been putting up like 20, 30 points. And then Patty, he came back. Patty Mills, same thing, you know. Yeah, same thing, exactly. And they come back to the NBA team, and they're much more efficient and much more of a threat. Mm-hmm. So I think that's. I think that is a is a good omen for for Wizard fans that seeing Porzingis do this. It's there. It's going to be some residue of that on the season. And I think that's that's encouraging. I was hoping you would say that because the other flip side of the coin here, and I don't really want this to be the case, but you know, we, we need some things to look forward to in, in Wizards world. But the other end is is Denny Avdia, who's kind of struggled, I would say. He hasn't been bad necessarily, but uh, he hasn't been as good as I think we would have liked. He's had a featured role on their team, which isn't necessarily what he's going to have in the NBA. So I don't know if it's an apples to apples comparison, but Israel lost to Finland. Uh, they lost to Sweden. Denny had eight points on three of 10 shooting against Finland. He had four, uh, 13 points on four of 11 shooting against Israel, or in Israel's loss to Sweden. And Israel's now a below 500 team, which I, I don't think people expected. First of all, are Sweden or Finland particularly good? Like, are those bad losses or are they good losses? You know, I, I don't know if though neither of those strike me as like basketball yeah. meccas, I would think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Lloyd Markkinen on Finland? Yes, yeah, that's and the one guy been, I know. And, and he's been he's been looking like Sean Kemp, <laughs> Kevin Garnett, and you know he's been doing everything. He looks unbelievable. But to that point, I think there's there's something missing in terms of his player development because when you go to a nat- your national team, you're supposed to be the guy, like we just talked about with all of those other aforementioned players. They get to their team and it's not a skill thing. You know, they their skill set is what it is. Now they're in a situation where they're the guy, they're the focal point of the offense and you see the numbers they're putting up. 
Now, he was thrown into that role, but I don't know if he has a skill set for that based on the numbers, right? I've never been a numbers guy. And in full disclosure, I haven't watched any of the games. But from what you're telling me, you know, we you can tell a lot about a player when they get thrown into that role if they're mm-hmm. prepared for that, right? And so for me, he needs to probably get into the gym, work on being creative, you know, find spots on the court where he knows that's his go-to spot, right? I watched some of him and you just, you can't really tell where he likes to be on the court. Yeah. Where is he comfortable? And where is he comfortable? And, and that's a major thing, right? And you need to be real with yourself about that. Like, if you're not comfortable shooting the threes, all right, the coaching staff needs to say, all right, let's put you at the pinch post so you can operate out of that because mm-hmm. he can pass. You know, he he has he has great skill sets. But um, I think there is, I don't know if it's a cause for alarm, but there is something missing there in terms of his development because he's supposed to be putting up crazy numbers. And 10 shots, and I get it, when you play in Europe, you're not going to get a lot of shots. But you look at the numbers, I think, well, Giannis has 60 points today yeah. in a game, and he had 40 the game before. You're, you're gonna, you should be shooting 20 times a game at least. You know, you look at Dennis Schroeder, all these guys, when they get to the national team, they're shooting the ball, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so, yeah, so I think, I think that's something that um, needs to be addressed. Even Rui Hachimura, when he's played for Japan in past seasons, mm-hmm. is another Wizards comp. Like he's he's like demanding the ball and like you know yeah. like looking guys off and stuff. And and exactly. then he maybe doesn't have that sort of mindset. But it has been a little surprising to me. The the one game where he looked really good in, in sort of his international experience this summer, uh, he had twenty five points, seven rebounds, six assists, all of six turnovers on six of fourteen shooting. They played Auburn, who is not last year's Auburn team. There's no Jabari Smith. There's no Walker Kessler. Mm. Like they'll be a fringe top 25 team. But, you know, the Israeli national team beat them by nine points. And people were excited to see Denny score 25 points. But to me, I would think a respectable national team should be able to beat a good but not great Division One team. And a third year NBA player should be able to put up 25 points against college players. Am I off base here? No, you're 100% on point, Matt. It's, you know, there's a phrase that men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Well, these numbers lie because to me, that's not an indication of anything to me. It's not an indicator. Like, I want to see him play against other professionals, Mm -hmm. which is what he's doing now. And, you know, that's more of an indicator of how good he Mm -hmm. is. Like, I don't care if these guys are in college. Like, they're still developing, most of which will never get a check based on the numbers to play basketball on any level. So, I wouldn't be excited, but that's where, like, you have to look beyond the numbers, right? And I know we're in this realm and world of analytics, and you know, I'm trying to find a balance with the two because I'm so old school. I'm all off the eye test and, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, you look at the numbers, and the numbers are just a part of the story. You have to look at the game, and you have to look at the competition and take in all these intangibles, you know? And so, yeah, I wouldn't I, – I didn't know that, but if that was his best game against against Auburn – yeah, that's. I think that's pretty alarming. Uh, yeah, and it's like with what we just said about the summer league thing. Like to me, totally reasonable to explain that away. But this is not, you know, this is not his first rodeo here, and uh, to look kind of underwhelming and not be able to like rise to the occasion a little bit. Like I'm not saying he should go for thirty a night and be matching mm-hmm. like Giannis stride for stride, but uh, more than a three of ten night against sort of a subpar international team, uh, I think would have been nice to see, but yeah. And I don't want to give, you know, Wizards fans a panic attack, but you know, we've kind of seen this movie before with Jan Vesely, uh, you know, and we know how that story ends. So everybody just shuddered that was listening to this. (laughs) 
Yeah, so hope, hopefully, and Giannis been playing well in Europe, yeah. but you know, um, hopefully he gets to develop and work. That first of all, he wants to put in the work, and I he has so, the right too. people around him to to give him what he needs to develop. Because you know, this is th- year three is when people usually turn that corner or they don't. So it's a pivotal year for them. Yeah, I hope he can finish strong and like get a little confidence from it coming into the NBA season and. You know, in a in a different role as a defensive stopper and kind of like tertiary creator, maybe he'll yeah. be a, a little more comfortable because uh, because that's probably more what he's used to. All right, just to pivot, one last sort of Wizards related thing, but kind of more a broad NBA basketball thing. Uh, one of the things we're going to do this season is just kind of keep track of the worst basketball takes we hear throughout the year. Most of them will oh. be Wizards related. Uh, this one is sort of Wizards adjacent. Did you hear Gilbert Arenas's comments on Giannis and Tentacumpo in, in the last couple of days? Uh, for anyone who hasn't heard this, I guess, uh, he said that it, it, Giannis is not even close to being the best player in the league. He doesn't understand basketball yet or how to be great or how to train his body. And then he kind of clowned Giannis for only playing 33 minutes per game when a 37-year-old LeBron plays 37 minutes per game. I, I thought this is like one of the worst most indefensible takes I've heard from like a, a player I loved growing up. So I, I feel mm. bad, like shaming Gil, but I, can you make any sense of this? Do you agree with him at all? Where, where are you uh, at in the commentary? Now I, I, I can make a little bit of sense. Now I don't agree with that take where he started talking about the minutes per game, because there are a lot of factors that lead to that. Obviously the Bucks were one of the better teams in the yeah, NBA. They didn't need them to, they don't need them to play. It's almost like when they, when Steph Curry was playing low minutes back when they were in their prime yeah. and they, he wasn't playing fourth quarters. So yeah. anyway, um, but there was a time where I would have agreed with that, right. Where to me, Giannis's numbers, weren't reflective of just how underdeveloped he was, right? Mm-hmm. He was putting up astronomical numbers and winning MVPs, but amongst basketball circles, nobody regarded him as one of the best because we value skill set, I guess, over winning and efficiency, right? We look at, you know, for us, Kobe is one of the best pound for pound because he was so skilled. Now, you hear that all the time. You hear players, whenever they talk about the best players is always goes back to skill, sure. right? What was the skills? So obviously you look at the accolades and everything. So when you have them all on the same playing field, now who was more skilled than who you see, you hear the same thing with LeBron, you know, LeBron has won everything possible, possible. He's going to go down as a leading scorer in NBA history, but you don't ever see anybody going to the gym and say, I'm working on this LeBron James move today. You know? Right. So these are the, these are the perspectives that we have. So going back to Giannis up until last year, I would have said the same thing, right? Where He's not skilled and, you know, he, he doesn't, I wouldn't, he's obviously knows how to work on his body. You saw him from year one. Yeah, he got a huge, yeah. Like, I don't know where he came with that. He was just talking out of his, out of the side of his mouth with that one. But in terms of his skill set, right, he was airballing free throws. And, mm-hmm. and to us, like, if you ever airball, Steven Jackson said it, and I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he says, but he, he says what I think. If you airball a free throw as a professional, you can never be regarded as the best <laughs> at your position in anything, right? I have my nephew's yeah. 11 years old and he'll never hear about a free throw. Right. Like it's to me, it's ridiculous. But so we have those takes. These are within basketball circles, what we say. But if you've watched him develop, like last year, he's got a turnaround jumper for now. He's shooting three better. His free throws were amazingly efficient last year. For for us, KD's always like the best, right? Sure. Because he's so skilled, he's so efficient, 50, 40, 90 with the handle, can't be guarded, right? Mm-hmm. But Giannis is developing that slowly but surely. And then he has the component of Shaq, 
where he can bang and turn and dunk and and if his shot's not falling, he can give you 26 and 12 just from getting to the basket. So I think he's starting to develop that because I actually saw him play with the Greek national team in the World Cup when it was in Nanjing, China. I was playing in Nanjing at the time. And I went to the game and they were playing Argentina. And Luis Scola was the best player on the court. And he was 40-something years old. You know, He's so skilled. but Yeah, you no, know, salt and pepper, you yep. know, gray hair, everything, right? But he was the best player on the court because Giannis – he, he was trying to do what he does in the NBA, which is put his head down. And overseas, they'll sit there and take a charge. There's no yeah. defensive three seconds. And so you you see the difference in his game now. The game he had today, he was seven for seven from three. It was 62 points. Like, you can't say he's not one of the best players in the league anymore. Like, I don't care on, the, on what barometer you have for the best, skill-wise, dominance, winning, whatever, numbers. He He checks all the boxes now. And so, yeah, he's Gilbert Arenas, uh, you know, and you have to consider the source, too. He has agendas. He has to get people to click and stuff like that. So I don't think he's speaking purely from a basketball perspective. I, I hope you're right for his sake. I think it would be tough to think that that Giannis hasn't been able to train his body. Uh, I do agree that uh, some of the shooting stuff hasn't come around, but I was never a big proponent of like Giannis, like really working on his three point shot a ton where it's like you're never going to be super good at it. Why not like work on like your 15 foot turnaround or or one of those things that you're actually going to use and teams are actually going to like have to stop in a pressure situation. And I think he's gotten better at all that. He's better about selecting when to take over games, when to barrel to the hoop. Like yeah, barreling Mm -hmm. to the hoop might not look as skilled, but you have to know when to pick your spots. He passes better out of that kind of situation. And I think defensively he's a lot more versatile than he used to be so i think it's crazy to say he hasn't gotten better uh but i, I think you're right this is maybe clickbait from gilbert and uh yeah uh, you know, more power to him because i think it clearly worked no no Gian- Giannis is is top five in the nba right now if i'm being honest yeah. and to me katie's still the barometer every and Giannis has said it you know katie's just the best you know sure. because like you said he has that proponent of he can shoot it you know mm-hmm. and he can shoot it at a rate of Steph Curry, but he's also seven feet, yeah. you know. He's a little bit so of everything. He's everything. You know, he's, he's like a creative player, basically. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, but but Giannis, Giannis has something, and Giannis has that intangible that because of his upbringing, because he's what he's had to overcome, that to me, to me, he's the most dominant and the most dangerous player in the NBA because he's going to play hard all the time. You know, when you come and overcome what he's overcome, like you're not going back to that. And you could tell he plays with that chip. Like I'm never going back to what I came from. I was playing in Greece when he was there and I used to ask people, they, I, you would hear rumblings. I was in the top league and you would hear rumblings about why is this guy? They said NBA scouts are looking at this guy in the A2 division. If he's so good, how come he can't sure. play with us? But then you know about his immigration status, and I didn't know that at the time. I was like, oh, he can't be that good. He would be in the first league playing. Because I had guys on my team that was 16, 17. Yeah, why not him? Know, playing, why not him? But, um, but yeah, like, he's the real deal. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for doing this. I think this is really informative for folks and hopefully a perspective that they're not getting anywhere else. So we'll see how it actually shakes out and how some of these young guys look over the course of the season. For anybody that wants to hear Uh, More of Mike and I talk basketball, especially international basketball. Again, that'll be ball movement. We'll be starting here again in the next couple of weeks. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll put that out on social media and stuff like that. And uh, we'll just be bringing different perspectives. And 
uh, what it's like to play internationally. We'll have some more play interviews and, and Mike will kind of be, uh, you know, informing uh, anybody who wants to learn more about the game, about what it's like, how you succeed in that realm and, and all that kind of stuff. Mike, anything you want to add on, on ball move? Yeah. Follow at ball movement pod on Instagram. There you go. We will be doing more and more on the social media side. Like Matt said, um, tune in tonight. If you have spectrum sports net, You'll see a special on myself and my company and what we're doing. And just look forward to more and more, you know, cool stuff that we're doing regarding international basketball. Just trying to expand, expand the market and, and give information to people who might be curious about what's going on over there basketball wise. I think the time is right to kind of, you know, it's a global game. We should focus on all this stuff. You saw the uh, Adam Sandler movie Hustle this summer mm-hmm. and the Giannis movie on Disney Plus Rise like people are interested in, in more global basketball stories so uh, like Mike said we'll try to bring that to you as always rate review subscribe all that good stuff and we were presented by betonline.ag and we'll catch you next week For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.